0: On today's show, I am breaking down your questions, the answers to your questions, and talking a little bit about Game 3 in the ALCS, where the Rangers are up 2-0 on the Astros, looking to take a stranglehold with a Max Scherzer hopeful gem. We'll see in Game 3. I'll add more on this episode of Locked On, Rangers. Let's get into it. You are Locked On, Rangers. Your daily Texas Rangers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network You are locked on to the Texas Rangers. I'm Bryce Patrick, a criminally addicted Texas Rangers fan since 2010, covering this team for all five seasons as the host and founder of Locked On Rangers. Thank you all so much for making Locked On Rangers your first listen every single day. If you're not already, you can follow me on Twitter at Bryce Patrick. You can follow the show at Locked On Rangers. Hit subscribe on YouTube, where the best way you can help grow the show is to watch every single day and comment nearly any single thing below. Now, before we get into today's show and your questions, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more right now. New customers can Bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Visit slash locked on to get started. Now, before we get into your questions, there are quite a few about Game 3, so I wanted to just go ahead and get into a little bit of a Game 3 preview. I know it's in a day, and single game previews aren't always the most accurate, but I feel like I've been fairly accurate with my assessment of how things were going to go in the first couple of games. I felt like Game 1 was going to be a pitcher's duel between Jordan Montgomery and Justin Verlander, and it was. And in Game 2, I felt like the Rangers really needed to jump on from Valdez early, and they did that. And, uh, you know, we'll see what they can do with Game 3. I'm Really excited about the Rangers going home up 2-0. It's a very good place to be in. And they've got Max Scherzer on the hill for game three, as good as a matchup as you could think, right? Maybe. But there's been a lot of talk about the depth of this Houston Astros starting pitching staff. How it's oh my gosh, it's so much deeper than the Rangers starting pitching staff, and it's so much better, they're number three and four starters and well, I think there's some merit to that because Christian Javier did throw an absolute gem in the last round of the playoffs against the Minnesota Twins. I think he's a little bit more beatable than he looked in that game. He was already staked to a 4 nothing lead by the time he got in the game. He matched up very well against the Minnesota Twins. He is a very good strikeout pitcher, a very good expand-the-zone guy, get them to swing at the high fastball. His f- high fastball is one of the best in the majors. The velocity is not anywhere insane on it, but the spin rate is very, very good. makes it very tempting to swing out of their shoes at the top of the zone. When it's not in the zone, it pairs well with his slider, but he does not do well against lefties. The Rangers have a lot of lefties and switch hitters in their lineup. And, um, he does not do well at staying in the zone. His walk rate is is not great this year. His, his walk rate is actually the 40th percentile of the league. The strikeout rate was about middle of the pack this year. Same with his chase rate and his average exit velocity. Guys are squaring him up a whole lot more than they had last year. And his hard hit rate was right around middle of the pack. And the Rangers... I think matchup pretty well against him. He's only had one start against them this year, and you might remember that game as maybe the wildest regular season game the Rangers played this year. That was the ten to eleven game on July third. He actually started that game, and he was also staked to a very big lead. Excuse me, twelve to eleven game where the Rangers ended up losing that one, giving up a couple of runs on Will Smith's arm in the bullpen, and that kind of felt like the decline of Will Smith at that point, but it was just an absolutely bonkers game, and and Christian Javier did not pitch well in that one. Four and a third innings, nine hits, eight runs, all of them earned, zero walks, four strikeouts, a pair of home runs, To I bet you cannot guess who hit those home runs. I bet you cannot guess. Can you guess? It was Leody Tavares, and the other one, was Travis Jankowski, the only home run he hit this year, was off of Christian Javier? I, no, I don't think that Travis Jankowski is going to start game three over Evan Carter because of that single game matchup. But hey, this was a wild game. They were staked out to a very big early lead, six spot in the second inning, and then four more runs for him in the fourth inning. And Christian Javier had a 10-2 to lead, and he could not make it out of the fifth inning. Wow. The Rangers came all the way back and did not end up winning that one. But again, this is a guy who relies a lot on getting swings and misses. The Twins are an offense that is predicated on hitting the long ball, and they swing and miss a whole, whole bunch. This Rangers team has been very disciplined. And the early rounds, they have not gone after early pitches. They've done, they've switched up their game plan because they were facing two elite starting pitchers in Justin Verlander and Fran Valdez. They jumped on them early. They didn't want those guys to get into counts. They weren't necessarily just jumping on the first pitch, but if it was a first pitch strike, then they were jumping on it. I think that game plan needs to change a little bit with Javier. I mean, obviously, if he's throwing you a meatball at the first pitch, then go ahead and do some damage on it. But he is really good at getting people to chase out of the zone, and he was not as good as his numbers seemed in that game. Javier walked five batters in his five innings of work and also hit one, even though he did allow just one hit and struck out nine. He was working around some trouble. He got himself out of some spots. There were some weird things with the shadows people were talking about on the broadcast. He was very methodical, taking his time, as he always does. The Twins fans were shouting out the pitch clock. I think something that's something that Rangers fans should most definitely do. In this one, his shout out the pitch clock, because Javier is going to take every single second of it that he can, and he's going to alter his windup to make it a little bit slower to make sure that he has all the time that he wants. Even if he's staked out to a big league, he kind of let the, le- the game speed up on him, but the Twins hitters expanded the zone in big spots and did not see the ball well off of him. The Rangers, if they get into those big spots and have a chance to knock him out early, that would be huge for them take some of the pressure off of Max Scherzer. I think the top of the first inning is going to be massive for Scherzer. I think he needs to get off to a good start or at least just be very careful with Jose Toledo who really really likes to hit first uh, first at bat home runs to start games. He will be batting first in the game on Wednesday. Yes, Wednesday. I'm trying to figure out what date it is because the postseason has jumbled all my days, but Again, I think this is going to be a big spot for this Rangers offense. Hasn't done a whole lot. They got a four spot off Rombor Valdez in the first inning. That was the most runs they've scored in an inning in the ALCS. I think maybe ever. Probably tied with that Grand Slam from, from Nelson Cruz. But the offense didn't do much against the bullpen. They did make Jose, or Brian Abreu throw two games. And if the Rangers can jump early and, and make, if they can make Brian Abreu pitch three games in four days then maybe for game four, he won't be available. And I think he's their best bullpen arm. I think that would be huge. But in terms of Max Scherzer, I think the good game plan, if things are going well, Max Scherzer, you can count on him for about 70 pitches. Maybe he gives you 75. Maybe he gives you 80. He threw 69 in the simulated game last week. And I think that 70 is about a good barometer for what to expect from Scherzer. He's going to be probably a little rusty, he said his stuff felt good, and you know, it, would, it wouldn't surprise me if Scherzer comes out there and throws an absolute gem and looks like the best version of himself. The time that he got roughed up against the Astros in his last start, he was pitching through something that ended up spiraling into his next start where he did pitch six innings against the Blue Jays and ended up suffering that Terrace major injury that has knocked him out to this point. Um, we'll see how he looks when he comes back. I'm still a little cautious with a 39-year-old coming back from that kind of injury. But hey, it's Max Scherzer. He knows his body. He's not going to put himself in a compromising situation to blow out his arm and potentially his career. He knows himself. He's ready. He's champing at the bit to get this opportunity. But I think if, if he's good, Max Scherzer, you can count on probably three to four innings. And then if he's going well, if you have a lead or if the game is close, I think you go to maybe two to three to maybe four innings from Perez um, and then uh, from some combination of Will Smith and Chris Stratton for one to two innings. I mean, ideally you really want to jump on Christian Javier early because you would like to avoid pitching Jose Leclerc three times in four days because then he's probably not available for game four. You definitely don't want to pitch all this Chapman three times in four days. He got out of it. He had an, an okay outing. We got got, you know, shellacked by Yordan Alvarez, which, by the way, that pitch to Alvarez, it looks perfect on game track, but if it got, act because that's where it, ca- it counts, where it would cross the plate, but Yordan Alvarez was out ahead of it, and so the pitch was a little bit more middle-middle. Jake Mintz of of uh, Family Barbecue pointed out on his podcast today, so it looks great on pitch track, but if Jordan is swinging out a little bit early. He is out in front of the plate where he's catching it, which is where he did because he got very long arms because he can do that because he is a very good hitter. It's not quite as good a pitch as it looks on the game day breakdown. Still, it's your on. He's very good. He will do that to anybody. So, um, yeah. So I think that if it goes bad, then you've got some combination of try and throw John Gray out there. If, if Scherzer just gets blown out and you're willing to just wave the white flag, then maybe you throw out John Gray in there, see how much he can give you. And then you have some combination. You've got a lot of long, long relievers at this point. You've got max. Well, Max Scherzer is going to start and he's going to get you two to four, hopefully make, If things go perfectly, I think five is the absolute max you can throw him out there. But then behind him, you've got John Gray, you've got Martin Perez, you've got Andrew Heaney, Dane Dunning, Cody Bradford, and Chris Stratton can go multiple innings. He's not going to get you three or four, but he can go multiple. And I don't really know why we haven't seen him at all at this point. I kind of thought we might see him in that game two blowout instead of um, Brock Burke, and I would have liked it to be Chris Stratton. I know he was used a whole lot and wasn't super effective at the end of the year. But if he's on the roster, you would like to keep him fresh and have him have some kind of experience in the postseason. But, you know, I don't know. We'll see. I, I would like to avoid using at least more than more than one of those three back end guys of Spores, Chapman and the Clerk. You can only use one of them in game three, even if you're winning, unless it's a very, very close game then maybe you can go ahead and and burn that bridge. But um, you would like to use just one, maybe two of those long men, um, and try and bridge to the back end to where if you have to use one, hopefully you just use LeClerc. And then if you're up in game four and you need to go four games in five days for LeClerc, that would be really stretching it. But... That's only if it's a one-run game and only if you're winning in game four. So, I mean, there's a lot of different ways they can go about this. I'm really interested to see how they game plan it, how it depends a lot on how this offense can stake them out to hopefully an early, because I think Christian Javier is definitely a lot more beatable this year than he was last year, even despite that very good playoff start in the ALDS. Coming up, we we'll are gonna get to a few more of your questions, including talking about uh, my favorite Creed song and Austin Hedges, of course. But first, this is where we're from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. October baseball is back and you can make your postseason debut with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Join FanDuel today and you'll get started with $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to create your new account. Then you can get in on the action from the first pitch until the final out. Bet on everything from strikeouts to home runs to who will win the game. And if you don't want to wait the whole game to get a W, predict what will happen in the next at bat with quick bets. So head on over to FanDuel.com. Dot com slash locked on right now. Step up to the plate this postseason with $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. Shout out to the editors making Lockdown Rangers your first listen every single day. On tomorrow's show, I'll be live on YouTube right after the game talking about Game 3. The Rangers take on the Astros this week can catch every pitch of the Hometown Broadcast on SiriusXM. Just download the SXM app and search Rangers. Now, first cu- question in this mailbag comes to us from at JW Royals on Twitter. He asks, Will the Rangers ever lose a game of baseball? Well, well, John, I don't know. I don't know if the Rangers will ever lose a game of baseball again. I have forgotten what it feels like to lose a baseball game. It's been a whole, what, 15 days since the Texas Rangers have lost a baseball game, and in that time, I have for- completely forgotten the sting of losing a baseball game, let alone a playoff baseball game. I mean, it's been since 2016 since the Texas Rangers have lost a playoff game. I mean my goodness. I have forgotten the sting of losing a playoff game, how badly it burns. I hope that I don't have to remember ever again. I hope the Rangers, if they make the postseason next year, they just also go undefeated. They finish off this year, win the next two, sweep the World Series, just en route to a Perfect World Series, a perfect postseason—that would be great. But I—I I don't know. It feels like if they do lose a game, Game Four is most likely. Game Three is definitely a possibility. Max Scherzer is a future Hall of Famer, but I mean, we know that there's questions about him and his health and and how he will end up performing in this one. So, it's possible the Rangers lose a game. um But I don't know. It doesn't feel likely. At this point, next question comes to us from Lindsey Crosby on Twitter, host of Locked On MLB Prospects. He says, yes, is this all because of Evan Carter, right, undefeated since he joined the postseason roster? Well, I mean, Evan Carter is a big part of it, Lindsey. I mean, he's been a huge spark for this team, the little savior, providing great defense, great at-bats, great walks, great base running, great vibes, great, I mean, (laughs) like, unmoved, unshaken by the gravity of the circumstance in any situation. I mean, it's just absolutely impressive. And Evan Carter has been, I think, a huge, huge part of it. The little savior has little saved this team in a decent way. He's obviously not the entire reason for this turnaround. There's a billion different factors, a bajillion different factors as to why the Rangers are still undefeated in the playoffs after seven games. Oh, my God, did it feel good to say feel even better if I say it after eight games and it will be feeling like I'm on top of the world if I'm saying that still after nine games in the playoffs we'll see if they get there but I think Evan Carter has been a huge huge part of this team I think he's got to be rookie of the year favorite for next year and that would be great if the Rangers could win that award It would have been nice if they could have won it two years in a row if Josh Young stayed healthy um, this year and and wrapped it up even with a late Gunnar Henderson push I don't know if he would have done that but hey I guess we'll never know, unfortunately, but I think we will know that the Rangers will have the favorite and maybe even the runner-up next year in Wyatt Langford and Evan Carter. Evan Carter, probably the presumed favorite, and then we'll see what happens with Wyatt Langford if he makes makes the roster out of camp, or just what the Rangers do with their outfield next year, because I am intrigued and puzzled. Not quite sure what they do with their outfield next year, but they got four guys who are fide studs. One of which is not in the big leagues right now. One of which might be ready for the big leagues right now. I'm not entirely sure. The Rangers aren't entirely sure. And they will have the luxury of waiting. Maybe he'll spend a whole year and a half in the minors as opposed to like three months. Like we thought that's why at Langford, um, but I mean, Evan Carter, having him up, having your left your left field and your catcher position solved for the f- foreseeable future two positions that are very very hard to have you know permanent long term solutions at that is huge for this Rangers team and not to mention left field has been an absolute black hole for years for a decade basically basically since David Murphy left or since Josh Hamilton stopped playing left field it has been a revolving door of mediocrity. Evan Carter's there. He is anything but mediocre, and the Rangers are very, very happy to have him there. Um, now, the uh the question about my favorite Creed song came from Slim Duncan at I Am Not Able to on Twitter. He also asked another question: Did I make a mistake trading everything away for Evan Carter in my Dynasty Baseball League? Well, I don't play Dynasty Fantasy Baseball, but the sky's the limit for this kid. He is going to keep being amazing for years and years to come. It depends on. Uh, what your definition of trading everything for him is. I, I think that there's very few things that I wouldn't trade for Evan Carter if I was in a dynasty league. Same with Wyatt Langford. I think the future is so incredibly bright for both those kids. But Evan Carter, doing it on this stage, he's going to do it again next year. And I am just, I, I, will, I like to say I will cease being amazed by this kid and how incredibly great he is, but I don't know that I ever will because he is just so insanely good uh now the next question comes to us from um from jeremy blue check parody hansen jeremy on twitter he said what's the minimum that we could get out of max and consider it a success i'm assuming max scherzer for game three now i say three if he gives you two really good innings two shutout innings You can live with that, but three, I think, is kind of the the minimum for if he's a starting pitcher, he needs to get you three, even if he's hurt, even if he's on a limited pitch count. And if he can get you three and he allows one run, maybe two, I think that's okay. If he gives you four and allows two runs, I say that's a good outing. If he can get you through five, which I don't anticipate, I think that would be like absolute best case, best case scenario, um, then that's an unfathomably good But I think three to four innings and one to two runs anywhere in that range, I think is good. That's a success um, and keeps you in it, gives you enough length that your long men don't have to go like five innings and you can bridge it all the way to the back end guys. If you're wanting to use all three of them, which, again, I don't think they should. um, But I think that that's that's kind of where it is. Next question comes to us um, from where we go. Um, Clayton Blankenstein is, I still think game three is a must win. Do you, I don't know about must win, but it's a, would very, very like to win. It's either you got to win it or you got to punt it. Like it's just, you cannot, I think the worst case scenario for me in a game three is Max Scherzer pitches well. Pitches you a a few innings, and you have to use a lot of your your long men, and then you go to the back end guys, and the back end guys give it up, so you can't use them in game four. That's where I start to get worried. If you lose game three, eh, it happens. If Max Scherzer comes up and he just doesn't quite look right, and the Astros jump on him, eh, it happens. It's not the end of the world. You come back the next game. um, You try if, if. if Scherzer gets lit up and you want to go ahead and punt the game, I would throw John Gray in there. Um, Grant Schiller talked about that last week of like, if, if you're already getting lit up, then you might as well throw, throw, throw Gray back in there, get him to feel comfortable, see what he's got. And if he's good, then you're like, okay, we can use him in some bigger spots. Um, and if not, then okay, maybe you put him on the IL and get one of your other pitchers that you left off the roster back. Um, But that would also mean that Gray wouldn't be available for the World Series if the Rangers get there. There's a lot of different things, but I don't think Game 3 is necessarily must win. It was a a very, very much would like to win because if the Rangers go up 3-0, I mean, it would be very difficult for them to choke away four straight games, especially when two of those four will be started by Jordan Montgomery or Nathan Eovaldi. Two guys who have just had a decent amount of success against this Astros team. Coming up, we're going to look at a little bit of talk of the culture guys and who is the ALCS prohibitive favorite through two games. Right after this word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs are the most comfortable pair of pants or shorts you will ever wear. Oh my goodness, I have not been able to stop wearing these Bird Dogs since I got myself three pairs and a pair of long pants that I'm getting to wear now as the weather is cooling down. They are still so incredibly comfortable in the heat of the summer. Those Bird Dog shorts, they will keep you cool. They will keep you calm. They will keep you looking good. These Bird Dog shorts are designed to do exactly the same thing that Lululemon do, but they fit so much better than regular shorts shorts that are made of the stiff, restricting cotton. Bird Dog's Fist fixed this issue by inventing the cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but it stretches to to get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice the movement. They are good for any place you want to wear your shorts or your long pants, whether you're going for a walk around town, whether you're sitting on the couch watching some Rangers baseball, whether you're out on a date or out on the golf course, Bird Dogs are for every situation. So they are so good. You've got to get yourself a pair. Go to birddogs.com slash or enter promo code LockedOnMLB at checkout for a free Bird Dogs water bottle with your order. That's birddogs.com slash for a free water bottle at checkout. You won't want to take your Bird Dogs off. We promise you. Shout out to the Avengers for making Lockdown Rangers at first wasn't every single day on Thursday show. We'll be talking about going live on YouTube right after game four, talking about all of that. And maybe at that point the Rangers will have won three games, a 3-1 lead, or. We'll be going for a sweep. You can catch every pitch with the ALCS as the Rangers take on the Astros with SX with SiriusXM. Just download the SXM app and search Rangers. Now the next question comes to us from Hayden Ch- Hayden Crow at Dank Prescott on Twitter. Fantastic Twitter handle. And Hayden asks, who is the ALCS MVP front runner through? Th- through two games. Now, some of you may be thinking, oh, it's gotta be Nasty Nate. Oh, it's it's gotta be Jordan Montgomery. both of those are great answers. Jose Leclerc, also a great answer. But I'm gonna go a little bit off the board. I'm gonna go with Leodi Tavares, a guy who has been doing it from the bottom of the order. I think what he did in game one against Houston providing that insurance run of the solo home run what he did on the base paths and even though he hit the triple and got doubled off in the second game he has been so impactful for this team from the nine hole in this lineup I mean he is three for four in this ALCS with two of those hits being extra bases one of them was a homer one of them was a triple he's also got three walks and for the postseason, he's got a slash line of 348, 483, 609. The man has been outstanding defensively, offensively, on the base paths. Everything that you want from him, he has been bringing from the nine spot in this order. There's a lot of people that are very quick to trade him as the first casualty of, oh, White Langford's amazing, Evan Carter's amazing, so we must yeet Leo Tavares into the sun for some pitching. Well, I think that maybe that ends up coming true it had to be a heck of a pitcher because Leo Tavares is absolutely sensational. He is a very underrated player. I'm glad he's getting his moment in the spotlight. He is my ALCF and ALCS MVP at this point and he could end up winning the award. He really could. I mean, Evan Carter got a lot of the storylines in, you know, game 1 and you know, Nasty Nate got a lot of the storylines and the rest of the bullpen in game 2, but Sneaky under the radar, Leody Tavares bringing it every single game in game out. I have loved his contributions. And I think that at this point he would be my ALCS MVP. I don't know that he's going to win it. And I don't know that he would win it after four games or five games or six games. If it takes the Rangers that long to close out these stinking Houston Astros. But at this point through two games, the Taveras Tavares has been absolutely sensational. And I think he deserves all the props in the world. Now, the next question comes to us from uh, Taylor at the Stars Star's Tay on Twitter. She asked, who is the most important player on the team and why is it Austin Hedges? Well, it's not Austin Hedges, but it's close, and I'll talk about him and the vibes guys a little bit in just a second. And and as terms of who's the most important player to this team, I mean it'd be easy to say Jose the Clerk, because finding a guy who can be a lockdown closer for a pen that has not had a lockdown consistent closer or lockdown consistent consistent anybody in the late innings for most of the year, that is huge. You could say Jordan Montgomery, because he has been sensational. Same with Nathan Eovaldi. Both of them sensational for the most part in their three playoff starts so far. Um, But I'm going to go with Max Scherzer, because he is the biggest wild card in this series. If Max Scherzer comes out and shoves and is amazing and gives you four shutout innings, then that's huge for this team. It's huge for this team. I also could see an argument for Marcus Simeon who has been doing some great things defensively, but offensively just has not gotten it done. Got a couple of singles against Fram Valdez. Wish he could have had a, a second shot or a third shot at Fram Valdez in that game yesterday. But hey, he didn't. And he has not done a whole lot offensively in this series or really in the postseason so far. He had a double and he's had some, you know, good defense and and some smart some smart defense. He was the one who pointed out him and Josh Young both pointing out that Jose Altuve base running blunder that got the double play that was absolutely massive in game 1 that really turned the tide and gave the bullpen some confidence to go out and finish it off. But I think that I got to go with Max Scherzer because I have no idea what to expect from Max Scherzer. He could be amazing, he could be terrible, he could be anything in between and if he's great that is a game changer for this team, not only in game three, but he would probably be the presumptive game seven starter, and he could be your game three starter in the World Series if the Rangers go ahead and get there. And if the Rangers finish this off, finish the Astros off, go to the World Series, and Max Scherzer is you know, even 80% full strength, and you've got a top three of Max Scherzer, Jordan Montgomery, and Nathan freaking Eovaldi that's incredible. That is game-changing. That is enough to stop a Phillies or a D-back team in the, in the World Series and win the whole thing, but you got to get there first, and to get there, I think they would really very much like to have this game three. Now, um, another fan, where we go, uh, asked about the importance of vibe guys. Where'd we go? There we go. Skyler, at Ek Adair on Twitter, asked about, asked about the impact of culture guys like Hedges, Ian Kennedy, and Brad Miller, and since I'm not in the clubhouse, I'm not a reporter. That's that's not my job. That's not my vibe. That's not who I am. It's hard for me to quantify that. But just seeing it from an outsider's perspective, the, the way that those guys are celebrating everyone, the way that Austin Hedges is the first guy off the bench to go and cheer on his teammates, to scream for him, to you know dump beers on Max Scherzer's head, or r- allegedly write a magic number on his butt. Um, that's just the kind of thing that every freaking clubhouse needs to keep guys loose, to keep guys feeling good when the vibes are down to bring the vibes back up I mean Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon are both pretty quiet guys they're not very chatty in terms of their leadership style and having a guy to kind of bring them out of their shell to they're both very methodical in their processes and their um you know the way that they go about things and that can sometimes come off as standoffish even if they don't mean it to be and having guys like there's a great story that Evan Grant wrote about how a an old-fashioned card game is kind of you know, given this team their chemistry of, of getting guys to come out of their shells like Seager and Simeon and and Hedges is a big part of all of those guys, all these culture guys like Brad Miller being a big influence on these pitchers and, you know, keeping a roster spot for the entire year. And Ian Kennedy, I think, has been a, a good veteran presence in the clubhouse i don't know how much Ian kennedy has had as much of an impact as brad miller and austin hedges but both those guys in miller and hedges have been phenomenal impacts on this team now the next question comes to us where'd we go um i swear we had one more here um yeah. Uh, okay. There we go. The minimum. No, we talked about the minimum. We've done all this. Yeah. Um. In terms of should we worry about? There we go. At Dead Star Alex, last question: uh, As should we worry if we can't take Game Three, as in pitcher and bullpen wise? Well, it really depends. Like I said, it, it's there's a lot of different ways that Game Three can go, and the Rangers really need to get through that first inning, having Scherzer have a clean inning, have a scoreless inning, and not even clean, just scoreless first inning and if the Rangers can jump on Christian Javier or even if they don't have a scoreless first inning just jumping on Christian Javier getting to him you already forced the Astros bullpen to throw a lot of pitches in game one and in game well not as much game one but more in game two having to use a lot of different relievers I know JP France did go a couple innings I think two and a third innings um but they had to use their two big guys in Presley and Abreu in that game and Abreu pitched in both of the games where the Astros lost Both of those first games, that is good. And the Rangers, even though they don't have the starting rotation depth that the Astros do, which, again, I'm not sure how great Javier and Urquidy are. I know they both had good starts, but I think that that Twins team was kind of on the ropes, and they you know, put themselves in not a great situation. I know that Arcidi did have a a great game against the C-team lineup of the Diamondbacks in the final game of the season, and, you know, that's fine. But I don't think either of those guys are as good as they were last year or the year before that. I think both both years before that, then, yeah, we're talking about a different team. But the Rangers, I just talked about all the multi-inning guys that they have that, you know, could be starting options if the Rangers' rotation was a little bit worse. I mean, guys who did start in John Gray, Martin Perez, Andrew Heaney, Dang Dunning, Cody Bradford, all those guys could be serviceable starters. Like, serviceable. Not great, but serviceable. And at this point, there's a lot of teams that are searching for serviceable. I mean, right now, Brandon Fott is the number three starter for the Arizona Diamondbacks, and they're in the NLCS. And Fott has a, a bright future. He's a prospect with a guy who was a prospect with a lot of promise. And maybe he'll end up being okay. But right now, he's not that great, and the Diamondbacks are still in the NLCS. I mean, I would take... Literally any of those guys that I just named over Brandon fought, and that's not even mentioning, I think it's Kyle Nelson, some Nelson, as their Game 4 starter, who I, I don't know that much about him. I just know that he is not super great, and it's basically going to be a bullpen day. And the Diamondbacks bullpen is fine, but even though the Rangers have had a bullpen, that the back-end guys have had some bluffs in Will Smith, in Stratton, in Chapman, even LeClerc early on in the season— and we've also seen Sporzy have some bad outings when he has been hurt, or maybe he was just bad at times. Um, but right now, all those guys are clicking on all cylinders. I don't know how how hesitant the Rangers will be to use Will Smith or Chris Stratton. If they can get a win without having to use any of their back three guys, I think that will make all the difference in the world for them in Sporzy, LeClerc, and Chapman. If they can avoid them and get a win... That is something they have not done. They haven't got they haven't gotten a game where they haven't pitched Jose the clerk. Even in the games that were four run wins, they still put in the clerk in there. And I think that was kind of a sign to the rest of the bullpen. It was like, mm, we're not really quite sure we trust you in this one. And in order to get to the World Series or to win the World Series, the rangers will have to put some trust in somebody outside of those back three guys in their bullpen. If they can get some length out of Scherzer and one of these other guys or if you just go with, you know, Scherzer plus John Grey plus Martin Perez and each of them gets you 3 innings and they are 3 good innings and you win, that is an ideal recipe for game 3. It's probably a little bit generous. It's probably a little bit, you know, underestimating the Astros offense that is probably going to come out pissed off. We haven't seen a whole lot from Jose Altuve yet. He's probably going to go off at some point in the series. We haven't seen a whole lot from um, Kyle Tucker in the series. He's probably going to go off. We haven't seen almost anything from Jose Abreu yet. He is probably going to go off. There are so many other good bats in this lineup outside of just Jordan. Right now it has just been Jordan and one home run from Alex Bregman and a couple good at bats from Michael Brantley. But again, this Astros team is scary, and the Rangers offense hasn't done a whole lot so far. You're going to need a little bit more, hopefully jump on the opposing starting pitcher in Christian Javier. But man, this team is up 2-0. It is a much better place than being down 2-0. And if Max Scherzer comes out and pitches a gem like I think he just might, the Rangers will be up 3-0 with a very good chance to advance the World Series for the first time in 12 freaking years. That's going to do it for today's show. Thank you all so much for listening all week and subscribing and viewing and what have you. And until next time, don't forget to enjoy ALCS Texas Rangers Baseball.